mic check. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rare one. Tons won't be bitten. Ain't no rules, just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic. Even the random. We get to friend. I hope that you're ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the random. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it what? 100. 100. Oh, you saying it. I What's did up, it. Now? I am good now. <laughs> I, am, I am ready. ready. So, on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, right? Shit yes. like that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So y'all hear her. See, That's my girl, we, Lisa B. Yes. Lisa Bolaka. Yeah. yeah. Bolaka. Bolakaja. Jump up and fight. <laughs> <laughs> AKA the street notice. No, uh-huh. why we call you that? Well, because you know what? I can give it to you, but oh, what you, you gonna, gonna do with it, right? You're gonna let the, gonna let the hair but down. But then on the other part of that, you know, the nerdy part of me, we can discuss, you know, uh, <laughs> Doctor Who and uh-huh. and you know, why, you know, there's some problems with you know Steve Moffat and the show and some some <laughs> some of the gender equity things we need to get into and Gamergate and all that stuff that's happening mm. with, you know, that kind of fun stuff. Okay. So I can keep it real. Intelle- intellectualization. I, I can keep it to you shit, street. Right. I can give you to intellectually. Oh, and How you want it. How you want it. <laughs> so y'all here, that's Lisa B, mm-hmm. the street nerd. Mm-hmm. She be going in on y'all. So check it out. If you're grown, let's get it in. Let's buckle <clears> up, people. So today we are going to talk about why we write. Yes. Right. I think it's important because when you're doing a podcast mm-hmm. and you're talking about TV writing, screenwriting, any type of writing, one of the things you really have to be uh, have a really strong sense of and understanding is one: why do you write? What mm-hmm. what attracts you to writing? What mm-hmm. compels you to want to tell a story? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I try to tell people all the time when you study the history of where stories come from, it's um, it's ingrained into us. Sure. Okay. In the human DNA, people. You know, literally, you mean from, like from you way can, back. You can t- from way back from the <laughs> beginning of all time. Like literally, mm-hmm. you can take a DNA a DNA strand. Mm-hmm. You can unravel it, okay? And I mean, the strand mm-hmm. of one DNA is like millions and millions and millions. I mean, it's just so much information there, mm-hmm. and you can decode human history with one DNA strand. So that story, that 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 encoding of what it may, means to be human, mm-hmm. that storytelling need, it's ingrained in us. Okay. One, because it was something for survival. Because one of the things we did before we could write or even record anything mm-hmm. is we had to use the oral tradition and tell the story. And one way to tell the story is you had to memorize shit. Okay? <laughs> and one way to help people memorize <laughs> shit, like, mm-hmm. uh, you might not want to go by the watering hole at such and such a time because uh, a lion might eat your ass. Oh, okay. So there were certain mm-hmm. stories that they told to help people memorize things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a memory trick and mm-hmm. of, of getting information across. And it's also a way of, of telling your family history and who you are and where you come from. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is ingrained in us. And I think what's happened is because of technology today and because we think of stories as more as entertainment, we mm-hmm. have forgotten that it is a necessary thing. Sure. It is a part of our survival. We have food, we have water, we have shelter. And one of the things I try to tell people is you have to have stories too Absolutely. to help you survive. So. So let's get in. So let me give a really quick rundown on some people. Um, I want to give people a, a little brief history on traditions of storytelling. Um, I'm going to come mainly from the background of coming from uh, an African sense of storytelling because of the oral tradition and because all history, really, believe it or not, <laughs> if you if you don't want to believe it, you need to go take some anthropology classes and cultural. But it's not in the classes. books. It's well, it's it, now it is. People starting to say. I mean, if you saw if you saw the movie Lucy, okay, if you saw Lucy, Lupus mm-hmm. tried to tell y'all that human history begins in Africa, mm-hmm. and so all of that traditional storytelling when we started to disperse around the world comes from those people because believe it or not people we are all of African descent okay we just may have different ethnic backgrounds depending on where we landed like I like to joke with some people's like my family uh, some of us were under the boat when it came to America (laughs) some of us were on top of the boat Mm -hmm. when it came to America and some of my ancestors were waving at the boat when it showed up like who the fuck these people (laughs) (laughs) and all of them all of them 
ball, That's all funny. that history and all uh-huh. that, that stuff that comes with it. So one of the things we have to remember is also storytelling is always and always has been an oral tradition. There's something mm-hmm. about listening to the voice. For we always say in the beginning there was the word. I mean, we talk about in the biblical sense, but really in the beginning of your life, the first thing you heard was sound. And the first sound you probably heard was your mother's voice in the womb. Okay. Okay. That is very important. And so when we have these oral traditions, it moved from those type of storytelling and it moved into songs. Song mm-hmm. and singing is very important, okay. especially when we have song verses. There are a reason why there are verses in songs, because they're setting you up with beginning, a middle, and an end, and they're trying to give you something to hold on to. Well, let me ask you a question. I'm going to interrupt your thought. No, go ahead. <clears throat> but it just made me think about, and I'm sure you probably have analyzed this already, why, why did the slaves sing and when they're in the cotton field, what did it okay, do? Okay, let me tell you, we just won't sing it out there to be happy as Pharrell Williams' song uh-huh. is, because I'm happy. Because that's the that's 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 what we call code talking. A lot of the things that uh, people of African descent, especially those that were enslaved, mm-hmm. they had this thing where we could code switch. A lot of times, we would disguise how we felt and what we said in our demeanor, how we walk, how we talk, and also especially in the songs that we sing. And a lot of times when people would say things, like I know recently somebody on the news, I think it was the guy from Duck Dynasty or something, somebody mm-hmm. was saying something about, well, you know, in the older days, black people, they were so happy. I remember. They'd be out in the yeah, field singing was, that was the guy, and the saying, grandfather. and they, uh-huh. did, they didn't look like they was upset about slavery, uh-huh. but what you don't realize is a lot of those songs is what we call shit that's hidden in plain sight. Mm. A lot of those songs, especially if you think about Follow the Drinking Gourd, mm-hmm. Wade in the Water, a lot of those mm-hmm. spiritual songs, mm-hmm. and in the water. If you break down Wade in the Water, mm-hmm. like literally take the song, okay, break it down, and not only that, but follow Drinking Gourd, these songs are actually clues on how to escape from slavery. Oh, Within the that. lyrics yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. song, uh-huh. okay, when we talk about, you know, follow the drinking gourd, what we're talking How's about is the. How's that song go? How's follow that? the drinking gourd, oh Lord. I mean, there's okay. more lyrics to it. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I remember. Lisa got vocals, y'all. She's trying to hide it. I don't sing. I don't sing. I can rap, but I can't sing. Uh, but basically, basically, when you follow the drinking gourd, the drinking mm-hmm. gourd, the constellation of the Big Dipper looks like a gourd that you, you know, you dip it in and get you some water. Mm-hmm. But part of that constellation is the No Star, where you have Polaris. And if you can follow the No Star, you can get your to Canada. So even though it'd be in the field singing these songs and the slave mm-hmm. masters would walk by, be like, oh, look at my happy dog is just singing and just <laughs> picking up cotton and indigo and doing that. And whoever was trying to escape, they mm-hmm. would sing these songs in the fields, but they were coded messages. They were maps to get the hell so we out. Were, so we really were smart back so then. So we really were smart. Uh-huh. A lot of times we just think, you know, we, we die, you know, we talk about lyrics. Like one of my favorite from um, Follow Drinking Gourd. One mm-hmm. of them is talking about, there's a thing that says, the riverbank makes a very good road. The dead trees show you the way. Left foot, peg foot, traveling on, follow the drinking gourd. Well, this oh. verse is talking about the Tumpingi River, mm-hmm. okay, with the special peg leg. Basically, they're talking to you, mm-hmm. a slave, enslaved person who's escaping. Mm-hmm. They are telling you, if you go to this particular tree route <laughs> by this river, okay. when it's lit off, okay. you can go up to this road, and so and so on the underground river will be there for you. So they would have these codes, and they would be living literally giving you river directions, trees, it's like, houses. It's, it's, like, it's like vacation when they pulled into yeah, Chicago. Okay. And the dude's like, you know, what you going to do? What you, you go down the street, okay. you make a left, you, and you know? see my cousin Charlie. And so we would hear these songs, or wade in the water. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you wade in the water because you need to get into water to wash off the scent from the bloodhounds that is chasing your ass. Ah, okay. And so we sing these songs. So we've always had songs as messages. So mm-hmm. things are very serious. So it's not just for fun. Music and storytelling in lyrics, song lyrics, is a way of survival. Once again, food, water, shelter, and storytelling will save your life. Mm. Moving from there, once we started doing what we call pictographs, you started doing cave drawings and things like that. We mm-hmm. talked about the famous uh, French qua- uh, cave uh, drawings, some of the first... Um, so-called cave people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you know anthropology, there are different, you know, <laughs> offshoots of the human family. Some of well, us clearly survived, the Egyptians were doing some that. Of a, oh, yeah. You know, and, and just carvings. Um, and then we started getting to the Egyptian, the Kemetic people. Egypt is just the Greek word for Kemet. And mm-hmm. Kemet is the African word that just means black or land of the black because the root word of Kem is black. So there they're telling you they black people in Egypt <laughs> people. But even then they started making papyrus and writing the Dead Sea Scrolls. They started writing scrolls and really started started to write things down. And that became very powerful. Mm -hmm. One of the scary things that when you read about the history of storytelling is you learn that once people were able to transfer thought onto paper, Mm -hmm. those people who could not read paper were at a loss of controlling certain things in commerce and social and spirituality. That's why 
for a long time, those people who were indentured servants, those people who were enslaved. You got to remember, there were white people who were indentured sure. servants, and there were white people who were enslaved. Well, gladiators were a lot of people don't like. Yeah, a lot of people don't like to talk about <clears throat> that because one of the benefits of having white skin back in the day is even if you were indentured and you were often working alongside enslaved Africans, mm -hmm. if you could get away and get to a different city, you did not have pigment to mm -hmm. stigmatize you and to let you stand out. So you could be a blonde, blue-eyed person who's mm -hmm. an indentured runaway slave, mm -hmm. but you could get away in a different city. Whereas if you look like me... Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you ain't gonna make it. And which is always surprises <laughs> me, because it's like, I, to this day, I always wonder, like, how the hell did Harriet Tubman <laughs> get so many niggers away? Uh -huh. Because if you get three black people standing in a corner, people think it's a riot going true, on, and let true. alone, like, we're going to run away, all right? Niggers, taking right? groups of people uh -huh. with a shotgun. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting when you learn about the stories and also those blending of cultures. You know, we talk about indentured servants from Europe. We talk about um, a, lot of the, a lot of the native peoples here were decimated, mm -hmm. and they were also enslaved. But one of the problems was that the native peoples, you're on their land. They know they land, they out when they can get out, you know. <laughs> so there's just a lot. And because of this mixing of cultures, you also have a mixing of storytelling um, styles. For example, you have what we call work songs. What kind? So work songs. Work songs. W -R W-O-R-K, okay. which are work songs. If you were an indentured servant from European descent, you would sing songs from your homeland, whether it's from Ireland or Scotland or mm -hmm. from France or wherever you come from because mm -hmm. you're a lower class. You have to remember back in the old days, people, nobody wanted to come to America. America was the colonies, the dirty, nasty colonies from, from Americas to Australia. The colonies were always seen as, well, you know, that's where people go to do commerce and, mm -hmm. you know, that's a dirty business and, you know, only a certain type of class, a mercantile class would handle that. Mm -hmm. But once they started making a lot of money and once, of course, uh, the Europeans decided that they wanted to be free, and they still have people enslaved in 1776. Um, you, you have a lot of changes that were going on in America. And because of those changes and the blending of cultures, the storytelling traditions actually changed. So you had work songs, you had slave songs, and believe it or not, you had prison songs. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys remember, if you the debt prisons, if you owe money, mm -hmm. they can throw you in jail for owing a bill. Really? You know, I know we had the Derrick brothers on here, and they were talking about their short film, mm -hmm. uh, Fuck You, Pay Me also known as was grace period. Mm -hmm. And even though that was a, a futuristic telling of, hey, if you can't pay your bills, you know, this could really happen. Uh, shit did happen back in the day. <laughs> if you didn't pay it, you were going to jail. Mm -hmm. And that's, there's no if, and, or buts about mm -hmm. that. Also, you had the, she the sea shanties with pirates. You had a lot of the Caribbean styles of singing and songs. So a lot of times if you go to, especially these old, you know, British pubs, mm -hmm. a lot of people love to sing those old time uh, sea songs, those shanties. And if you listen to the lyric of the shanties, they are also telling you stories about adventures and places and mapping and coding. So all of that is very important. And of course, one of my favorites is people forget is a lot of times during these old time periods, women did a lot of sewing mm -hmm. and they made a lot of quilts. And so a lot of times women would actually sew stories into the quilts. Really? Yes. If like you go, what? Give me an example. For example, for our enslaved African women, mm -hmm. literally they would sew up quilts. Mm -hmm. Once again, using that whole hidden in plain sight, they would actually put maps onto a quilt, really? wash the quilt, hang it on the side of a fence somewhere. Mm -hmm. Oh, master, I'm just letting this dry out here. Oh, this quilt's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. You're going to love this. But any runaways that were coming by could look at that quilt and get a mapping of where to go, what not to go. A lot of times it, were, it was uh, mapping houses and farms mm -hmm. and letting you know not to go to certain houses oh. that for the Underground Railroad, <laughs> like, you might Like there go might here. be horns on top of the house might, or you fire. Might, you, know, you might, and it might be color-coded. <laughs> They're just things that people would put on there. Okay. Also with the women... And a lot of the, the pioneer women, when they did a lot of their stitching and quilting, mm -hmm. a lot of them would tell the history of their family just in the fabric. A lot of times, you have to understand, it wasn't like we could go to Walmart like we can now and buy any old goddamn mm -hmm. thing we want. People had to make things by hand. And things that were made by hand were very precious. So a lot of times, you might not be able to have a photograph of a family member. You might not have a writing or a book or anything to remember that person by. But you might have something that might have been their favorite piece of dress that they wore. Mm -hmm. And you would take that little scrap and you would put it onto the quilt and you would literally have quilts that would have generations of history written in the material oh, that you're so wearing. It's kinda like, so up. that's where they kind of came up with like the the age quilt, for instance. Oh, God, yeah. When I was just a piece of everybody. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And, and it was a way of, of connecting people. And literally, you can go to museums now and see those quilts. And they tell you so much history. And you can mm -hmm. get a person that will break stuff down <laughs> for you. And like I said, depending on 
where you come from to get in to fit into America, mm -hmm. depending on whether or not you were enslaved, whether or not you came here as an indentured servant or the um, mercantile class, whether or not you were indigenous people here who were having your culture change so much that literally people were dying. You had to find a way to hold on to your stories and to pass it on to transmit this information to the next generation. Mm -hmm. Then it moves into what we call spirituals. Everybody loves spirituals and gospel <laughs> music, you know, even mm -hmm. today. Because I always hear Negro spirituals. You always see Negro, well, yeah. because that's what, you know, Negro from mm -hmm. the Spanish, it just means black. People mm -hmm. don't get offended by the word Negro or Negrito. It just means black. That's all it means, okay? You say it in English, it's black. Mm -hmm. uh, brown is Moreno. So once you start learning language, you know, you start to understand that words that we find offensive or weird or make us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's just something historical that you just need to get over. That's all it is. <laughs> That's all it is. Okay? So moving on from that, I want to talk into how language is used today and how storytelling is around you even when you don't even think about it. For example, once we got past songs and started writing down uh, stories, you start getting to legends and folktales. Some of the most famous ones are the stories of John Henry. Mm -hmm. One of the favorite ones that, Denny's, that Disney loved to do, even though at the time, it's funny because when I was a kid, I was so embarrassed about the Br'er Rabbit mm -hmm. and those songs of the South because mm -hmm. depending on who is telling the story, who is controlling the narrative, the South can be a really wonderful, you know, mint julep, hey, we so happy, or it can be a place of brutality or a combination of the nuances of both those things in between. Mm. So you have like the Br'er Rabbit, and Br'er Rabbit, the updated version, is simply Bugs Bunny. So whenever mm -hmm. you watch and talk about you like Bugs Bunny or Tom mm -hmm. and Jerry, what you're looking at is something that comes from American history. And I need to tell people this so they don't get offended. Mm -hmm. African-American history, African history is American history. That's right. There is no such thing as Black History Month. Because without black people in this country, America would not be what it is. I True. hate to have to tell people this all the time, <laughs> but you take black people out the equation, uh, this would just be Canada. <laughs> and no disrespect to Canada. Know, because, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you. We would be really corny too. <laughs> we would be okay. corny. We would be really you know? corny. But no, you know, no disrespect to Canada because now that you have a lot of great, wonderful cultures that are going there and living there now, Canada, mm -hmm. Toronto got a lot of flavor now. Oh, so it's yeah. like you hip and cool now. Mm. But I'm just saying that when we talk about history, we always want to try to separate stuff. So there's no such thing as Black History. Okay, there's really no such thing as Black History Month, but we have to put it in there because y'all tend to forget. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So when you have that, you have the trickster tales. You have stories about, especially in a lot of uh, stories that come from people down south, especially uh, African Americans. There are lots of fairy tales and legends about people flying. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's the famous. Um, well, why? Why do you think that? Why is that? Uh, you want freedom. There's gospel songs. Oh, it's the off, freedom yeah, of wanting to fly. Wanting to because. Flying is freedom, and freedom is the getaway from the bad okay. stuff. So it's not it's not like uh, uh, and forgive me for interrupting. No, it's not like because um, whenever I think about, uh, and we could talk about this at mm -hmm. some point too. Whenever I think about like the the pyramids and the Egyptians mm -hmm. and whatever, I always think about how um, like the 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 British people went over there and was shooting their noses off the Sphinx and what all the all those different things. <clears throat> so it, you couldn't tell what it looked like right. or whatever. And I was always like, but they they didn't believe that these black colored people could actually build these things. And I used to always think, did we used to have an ability that we don't, that we can't tap into anymore? Well, we have to understand throughout history, human beings, we lose knowledge mm -hmm. all the time. In Europe, they talk about the dark ages. Okay. Okay. There were several dark ages, not one dark age. Sure. And for some, whatever reason, now it's a lot easier because you have to remember anything that was written down, mm -hmm. either the religious Community owned it because you have to remember not everybody can afford to go to school and to be educated and to read because you were basically working to survive. Like literally you worked a farm, not because you're going to sell goods, but you had to eat, mm -hmm. you know. So you're dealing with people who have, have certain knowledge and things that are written in books and books are, you know, destroyed. Things are molded. We lose things. So in Europe, there were several dark, dark ages. So there's always this sense of forgetting. So yeah. when people talk about, well, these people, people forget all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just recently I was reading a book um, that was talking about the, um, the Black Plague. And it was talking about a town in, in England that literally people forgot the town because everybody had died and wiped out. And it wasn't until recently that they actually excavated the area and found some stuff that actually taught them a little bit more information about the Black Plague, about how extensive it was oh, really? and all that. And it was just, that was forgotten knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's stuff that, hey, we should have remembered that, but it is forgotten. So there are several dark 
dark ages where we were always gaining information and losing it. Nowadays is not so much because we can throw shit up in the cloud now. I mean, we got shit rolling around in outer space. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know about that record that we got out there that supposedly if some aliens find it, mm -hmm. they've got like all kinds of historical stuff that's more slanted towards Americans because Americans, we, we put it out there. <laughs> but they've got like songs by Louis Armstrong. Oh, okay. They've got like, you know, jazz records. They've got like mathematics. <laughs> they got a Tupac? They got, uh, well, psh, I mean, recently, who was that? I think it was, um, oh God, who was the person? Um, from the Black Eyed Peas, Will I Am had mm -hmm. put a song and they took it to Mars or something like that, oh, really? and it's like a rap song from Mars. Like of all the hip hop people, <laughs> of all the you got Will I Am, but well, you know he's into know, tech. He's, he's tech. He's into technology. He's, the pop he's into dude, it, yeah. yeah. So we we have stuff that's out there, and mm -hmm. so it's a little bit harder now for us to forget stuff. But the problem is now is we have what is called selective memory. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of information that's now being discovered, and a lot of it is being refuted because those who are in control of the narrative are not so comfortable in realizing that other cultures were in probably superior in some me, ways to what was going on in Europe. Let me, I got to backtrack just a little Go right bit. up. You were talking about <clears throat> the, the caves and people drawing in the mm -hmm. caves and whether they're Egyptians or in, mm -hmm. you know, in Europe or whatever. Mm -hmm. Why did they do that? Was it was it um, like the the elders were like, you know, we need to remember this, or <clears throat> just makes me think about like the kids today who are graffitiing? Was it, was it kind of like their it's way? Something of... I think it's something innate. It's just mm -hmm. something in the need for humans to write down, to mark, to draw, to give something that lets people know that they were here. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of wanting to know that there's something bigger than yourself in the world and to not be forgotten and to know that you were here in this place. Because there's like, uh, when I was in, at San Diego State University, I took a, uh, an anthropology class and mm -hmm. I actually went out. Uh, one of my professors, who's actually one of my mentors, we mm -hmm. actually went down to Mexico and we went to go look at pictographs from thousands and thousands of years ago mm -hmm. uh, for some people. And like, it was in the most random spot. You know, mm -hmm. you're driving through the town and we, you know, it was about an hour and a half, two hour drive to get down to where it was. And then mm -hmm. we get in the middle of like nowhere. And I'm sitting there looking like there's like these three boulders sitting here, mm -hmm. not near any water or anything, nothing that you, but there's these drawings. And the first thing I thought was, why does Mark want to come out here? Like, why was that need so important mm -hmm. to draw and write this, these pictures on here? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're struggling to survive. There's rattlesnakes. I mean, we had to like watch out for rattlesnakes really? and we had to bring like lots of water to survive. But what was that innate need that to put that marking on there? Mm -hmm. And not just one marking. It wasn't like, you know, my initials, Lisa mm -hmm. was here mm -hmm. and like a little thing. It was like a story and pictures and, and just beautiful, just, I mean, to see that stuff that's been there for like before Christ, you know, before even any of that happened. And to know that there were people here who did that. I can't explain why. I just, in me, I just feel like there's a need just to mark that we were here. Okay. And whoever comes after us to know that we were here and we survived. Mm -hmm. I, even now, it's still, it still makes me curious when I read, ton, I, mean, I read a ton of books, nonfiction, all kinds of stuff, and just trying to figure out why humans do the things that we do. Because okay. we're the most peculiar creatures on the planet compared to any <laughs> no, other really? living creature. Like I was watching the BBC show Deep, I think it was called Deep Blue or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, showing the penguins and the beluga whales and how they struggle to survive and, and how life and death, like life is just so, you know, they live life. Like those sea <laughs> creatures are like living their life. Mm -hmm. Like every day counts. And I'm like, and humans can't, we got the world at our fingertips Mm -hmm. And we can't even get along with each other. We have <laughs> everything in our disposal to not be hungry, to not be, you know, but unsheltered. They, they talk about like in whether we're, it be the wild are, or just, the water. We're just, we're just stupid. I mean, just stupid. <clears throat> you're right about that. But those sea creatures you're talking about are living in a world where they have certain predators and that's it. Mm -hmm. They either have them or they don't. Yeah. They're either, you know, either you're a shark and you're the apex you know, and then everybody else. You go downs. where the fuck you want right. to go. <laughs> bad down, bitches. Bad down. <laughs> you do what you want to do. Yeah, right. You know, you're a polar bear but, and not mean, icicles. I, a lot of it I know shit. has to do with brain size and, and humans having self-awareness. I think that might be the, the key to it hmm. is that humans are, as far as we know, and I say this very lightly because there's a lot of things that we don't know, we think we know, but as far as human beings know right now, we're the only creatures on the planet that have a sense of consciousness or, or self-awareness. Okay. And I think that self-awareness, especially when it comes to death, mm -hmm. like most animals are living their life, and I mean, they when things die, instinctively, 
animals know. I've seen mm-hmm. it happen with kittens. Like I had uh, years ago, I had a cat that had kittens and two of them were great and one of them was not doing so well. And mm-hmm. the other two innately knew. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like no outward signs like, oh, mm-hmm. he's missing an eyeball and he's just jacked up looking. Mm-hmm. It was just something though that he's not right. Mm-hmm. And we do not need to be standing next to him. Mm-hmm. And and that was the closest I I witnessed in terms of animals having a, an awareness, but it wasn't such a self-awareness. It's like they were aware of some something well, else. Well, you see them in the wild. You see the, the lions, if one of them hurts a foot, they'll like beat the shit out of it and tell it they can't come no more. Aww. I mean, they will. They'll be like, yeah. nope, you can't yeah. ride with us because you're going to slow us down. <laughs> and we have to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but they'll leave it. They'll right. like hurt it. So it's like, you, right. you can't come, Jack. But I think that, that self-awareness is, that, is the key to why we tell stories. It's because I think each time we... Each generation thinks they're supposed to be doing better than the last generation, sure. and we don't tend to do that. But there's just something in that survival instinct to write things down so that others can learn from our mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like now. Um, when we talk about music today, when we talk about hip-hop, rock uh, music, blues mm-hmm. music, a lot of those songs and why they're so popular is because they tell stories. You know, when you sure. listen to a, a blues song... Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they're doing that double refrain. Like when mm-hmm. they repeat themselves, mm-hmm. it's like a, a an underlining. Like you heard me the first time, <laughs> I'm gonna let you know one more again. You know, and it's like you feel it. Like when you go on a good blues record, it just makes you stop and you just feel like God. Mm-hmm. They was live because life was hard, mm-hmm. and they was putting that song and letting you know. And you can hear like I can. I listen to an old old Muddy Waters record. They're very and like, they're very male chauvinistic you, though. You, well, if you think I mean is, really, they're always talking it about is. the woman. Cheating on them, and I mean, it's like always. But you know, you know Bessie Smith came back at him now. True that. Using True a that. lot of the, using a lot of euphemisms and stuff, and and a lot of people weren't happy with her, mm-hmm. especially a lot of religious people, mm-hmm. because you got to understand. And many times when it talks about the the reason why secular music is so powerful, is because it's speaking to people. It's telling a story that they can relate to. Most people who are going to church. They are. They already know they're going to heaven. They mm-hmm. it's like preaching to the choir. Yeah, they have faith. They have faith. <laughs> yeah. And then those of us who may have some faith, but at the uh-huh. same time, we are rooted in the real world too. True. We have the mundane. They have the spiritual. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing like some of the mundane and living in the world, mm-hmm. you know. So I always like trip out when I hear about people. Oh, you should be listening to those kind of music, or when gospel singers use secular type music mm-hmm. to tell stories mm-hmm. and then the religious people get mad mm-hmm. like there's a group what, you Mary, can't never there's win. Mary Mary who has mm-hmm. a song you know and there's a song they had that they were playing at the club really oh, oh yeah I know exactly. uh, yeah, 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 a song yeah, 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 yeah. I just want to praise him and it's like you could do electric slide <laughs> off of that and I swear to God <laughs> I swear to God that's hilarious I was somewhere and we were doing electric slide and they were like are they talking about Jesus <laughs> 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 this ain't a song about pooking them. No, no, no this is about funny. Jesus. Oh, let me slow my roll. And so there's that that push pull in those storytelling. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like my favorite, like the favorite songs that I love that are really great storytelling and it's music and it's mm-hmm. telling a story and it's teaching you something. Like one of my favorites is I love Jill Scott. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite Jill Scott songs is Is It the Way You Love Me? Or getting in the way, getting in the way. Like, oh my God, mm-hmm. this song is basically telling a woman that, you know what, I got this dude, he's with me now. He mm-hmm. used to be with you. Mm-hmm. Things didn't work out. <laughs> He's with me now. Okay. And each time she sings a phrase from the song, mm-hmm. she gets a little bit more sisterly in her neck. <laughs> and she enunciates a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, it's telling a story. Mm-hmm. A classic is um, one of my favorite uh, rappers, Ice Cube, mm-hmm. is, and to this day, when this song comes on, I swear to God, if I'm in LA, I gotta go with me a chili burger because it's, today was a good day. <laughs> that is one of the best like it's the best like ever. it's one of the best story like it's literally a story, and you're so happy at the mm-hmm. end of the song that he made it, and it's so visual. So and you, visual. It's one of the best hip hop. I mean, it's one of the best ever. Mm-hmm. But it's only a story. It's mm-hmm. the same with like Tupac when he talk, keep your head up, and he's telling you a story about his mom. Mm-hmm. Like mom was struggling, she mm-hmm. don't crack. We got these peanut butter sandwich, and I swear to God, my mom wasn't on drugs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But we knew a lot of people. You know what's my favorite? We knew a lot. I of told people. y'all we talk about music sometimes. Right. You know what's my favorite? Probably. In that same mm-hmm. era is Slick Rick's a children's story. Oh my God! That yes. fucking song is <sighs> shit. But listen to it. It's called Children's What Story. story. It is telling you a story, mm-hmm. and that's why that song was so popular because mm-hmm. literally it mesmerized you and it told you a story. True. You know, and really good hip hop songs. That's what they do. They tell you a story. Mm-hmm. From that, we get into like playing the dozens. 
Some of the best Mm -hmm. storytelling and best verbal skills. Your mama. Oh my God, the snap jokes, your mama Mm -hmm. jokes. You know, when we when we're cracking on each other, Mm -hmm. there's different. I mean, every era they call it something else. Like one year was signifying back in the old days, playing Mm -hmm. the dozen, signifying, snapping, cracking, clowning. also basing we used to call it basing mm-hmm. oh, we basing on you or mm-hmm. toasting or rapping mm-hmm. and a lot of that forges into the everyday uh, vernacular if you listen to american language i'm going to say and i'll put money on it i'm going to say why did they call it playing the dozens play, because I, it comes from I never okay that. one way of hearing it was mm-hmm. the fact that they used to sell slaves in batches of 12, like in oh, dozens. Okay. And so the, the story behind it, like there's different stories, but the one I heard was basically they would sell them in batches of a dozen. Mm-hmm. And if you were in a certain group of dozen of slaves, you would like try to like make yourself look better. You know, there's a certain master that had something that was going to be better for you. Oh, you would really? like want to make yourself stand out. Like, oh, look at you. You're so scrawny. You can't even lift up. No, it was kind of that kind oh, of thing. Really? So, so we yes. only see in the movies, we see them quiet. Like they right. don't say shit. Right. But in you essence, they, was talking they shit. were competing against you each other. You know we was talking. Look, let me tell you something about black people. Let me tell you something about black people. No, that's a movie we haven't seen. And yet. native peoples. <laughs> even in, and even with Jewish people. When we talk about mm-hmm. the Holocaust, mm-hmm. like when I had a class in, in college, uh, I took a class uh, at San Diego State called The Holocaust mm-hmm. for a semester. One of the best classes. I took a Civil War class and I took a Holocaust class. Okay. And one of the things that struck me and shocked me the most, but it mm-hmm. shocked me in a happy way, mm-hmm. is that even in times of like the most hideous and just just satanic evilness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They talk about the banality of evil. When you read stuff, journals and stories about the Holocaust, mm-hmm. you know, you just think, my God, how did these people even, how can you laugh? And the irony is some of the best comedians now yes. are of Jewish descent. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I was in that class, I would read these journals and I would read these books and the Jewish humor. Mm-hmm. You ha- I mean, how else are you going to survive? You got. I think that's what got us over mm-hmm. with Jewish people and um uh, people of African descent in the Americas and slavery times, humor got you over. True. Because, come on now, we talk about it too. Like Some of the funniest shit that I've heard is, um, even though it's rooted in pain, mm-hmm. has come from jokes talking about how we got over back in the day. One of my favorite comedians is Cat Williams. Oh, yeah. And I remember Cat was talking about this one routine I, uh, I saw of his where he talks about, yeah, we out in the field picking that cotton. Mm-hmm. He says, y'all thought we just out there picking cotton, but we was really working on skills that was going to show up. So he starts off picking cotton. Next thing mm-hmm. you know, he's like shooting a basket Basketball. And it's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as messed but up. It, it's almost like a wax on, is. wax off. He it's works like, his yeah. way up. And it was like, it, even though it's rooted in a really, it's rooted in a pain. It's and irony. It's, and yeah. it's also, uh, in some points, a, a stereotype of people, all with black people being basketball players. Mm-hmm. But that humor mm-hmm. is so on point mm-hmm. for something that's painful to something that's so funny that we can laugh and look at stuff and like, oh my God, thank God for humor for getting this over. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say money on it. I would say about, and I'm going to be generous to other groups too, but I'm going to say about 75% of the language that Americans use come from black people. Oh, hell yeah. Especially I'm being younger, generous to everybody else. Generation I mean, under oh 40. Oh my God. And here's the thing. This is what mm-hmm. cracks me up is terms, terminology in black language, black linguistics, especially when it comes to storytelling. And mm-hmm. black people are always telling story, whether it's the way we dance, how we wear our hair, mm-hmm. everything. The fact is that when we create a word, it's usually five or six years later that the rest of America embraces mm-hmm. it and becomes mainstream. And then mm-hmm. to black people, it becomes corny. Mm-hmm. For example, like we used to have terminology. We do stuff like, you know, just corny stuff. We'd say stuff like, talk to the hand. Oh, God. You know, holla at That's your boy. Uh-huh. My bad. Off the chain. Full uh-huh. shizzle. All that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Now when we hear that stuff, it's corny because mm-hmm. other people do it. And it's like, all right, y'all just... It's not trying to be black. Mm-hmm. And, and when people say that, oh, you're trying to be black, it's not what it is. What perturbs us when people do it is because when we was doing it, y'all was making fun of us. <laughs> but now we don't do it no more. Y'all uh-huh. pick it up. It's like twerking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black oh people have been twerking God. since a ship showed up <laughs> on the West Coast and uh-huh. tricked us into getting on a boat. We've been doing... That's just African dance. We call it twerking to work. That's all twerk means. It's how black people smush words together. (laughs) It means to work your ass Uh and pay respect to the God who blessed your mama to give you that ass (laughs) for you to be able to isolate the the glutamus and making it clap and sprinkle. (laughs) Hey, there's respect for that. But it's like, (laughs) when we were doing it, they were making fun of us. They were saying, oh, black women are being trashy. Uh And it was a class thing, too, because Mm -hmm. a lot of times... Let me tell you something, too. And I've said this before. Good black culture, like real black culture, like the hip shit that people 
appropriate much later, it comes from the lower classes, the lower income folk. Mm -hmm. Nothing in black culture has ever come from what we call the petty bourgeoisie, the talented no. tenth. Nothing. And I'm, some people are going to get mad. Get mad if you want well, to. Because the cool stuff always comes from the bottom It comes the from the street. Up. It comes from the real That's people right. who are rooted in that culture. Mm -hmm. It's the people who get out of the culture who try to become respectable and who try to take on mainstream attributes mm -hmm. who shun us and use respectability politics to make us feel about, about shit. Because when we were twerking back, like the first time I ever saw a sister twerk, mm -hmm. Now, they've been doing it because I've done African dance. I have an uncle. That I mean, does you can go back dance. and look at Soul Train. You can look at Soul Train. We've been doing it, uh -huh. but to the point where we were so good mm -hmm. that we can isolate the top half of the ass ah, and the okay, bottom you can half, make it move, and huh? we can make it down, and we can make it like okay. I I thank God for making Amber Rose <laughs> because when Wiz Khalifa dropped that album uh -huh. and Amber Rose sent that video uh -huh. of congratulating her husband on you know having a number one album and her husband's beat go boom boom and she makes that oast ass cheeks <laughs> like Amber Rose you got a fan for life you brought tears to my eyes I was so proud I thought it was art I thought it was art. They but at the it. time, when it first happened, I remember being in a club, and this sister, she was from Atlanta, of course, mm -hmm. Atlanta, you, you know. And she came out, and she did this dance, and it was like the coolest thing. But mm -hmm. I remember the sisters in the club were like, that is so tacky. Mm -hmm. And to me, coming from like en enjoying and embracing dance and being a Pan-Africanist that I am, mm -hmm. I understood it for what it was. It's like she bringing Africa to the club. Mm -hmm. And respectability Negroes were like, she's just dis she's disrespectful. Now, the brothers <laughs> was quite appreciative. Okay, they throwing fives they and throw tens, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Let making, it rain. Making it rain before I knew what making it rain really meant. Like, what? And to me, I was just like, oh, my God. One, she's just fearless. She's mm -hmm. out here doing it. And she's telling the story, whereas other people are like, that's just so disrespectful. But it's something that we do. Another thing that we do in terms of language, like the new stuff that's now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. There's a new word we use, kind of old now, but we talk mm -hmm. about bae. And mm -hmm. even Pharrell Williams made a song, you mm -hmm. know, talk to me. But, you know, it's like, that's baby, it's bae. Mm -hmm. It's old to us. Came out like three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. Now people are using it. Like, what are you using that for? <laughs> Another one of my favorites is on Twitter. All out of context in general. When black women talk about black men who don't stand for them, we call mm -hmm. them Ashy Larry. Mm -hmm. And people are like, what does Ashy Larry mean? <laughs> Google it. Or when we say things like the Shea, like one of my favorite is the Shea Butter Brigade. Mm -hmm. I am a member of the Shea Butter Brigade. Mm -hmm. And if you know what Shea Butter is, you better Google it. Another <laughs> one that we butter, use, right, another right. term that we use, you see it on Twitter a lot, we, we talk about slayage. Oh, she is slaying. She mm -hmm. is flaw. That's all black linguistic ways mm -hmm. to tell stories mm -hmm. in a flash to give you that. Well, you think about it, you know, you know, because even when I wrote my Sylvester, my Sylvester script, I was studying all about mm -hmm. that time in like the mid 60s, mm -hmm. like how they were talking to right. queens, right. how the queens are. And it right. was fierce and all that shit was back right. then. Right. Girl, my face is beat back <laughs> then. You know what I mean? All that. So it's funny. Well, and, and the one, all, saying all of that, just giving mm -hmm. a little background to get into all that stuff, the <laughs> idea is this, that there are two types of stories that people tell. One of them are what we call legends, and there's folk tales, there's fables, and there's myths. So there's legend, folk tale, fable, and myth. Mm -hmm. We've always relied on them. So to make sure people are clear, a legend is very simply this, a story or a body of stories handed down for generations unpopularly believed to have historical basis. A notable person or <laughs> the stories. Like the Bible. So yeah, <laughs> some people might find that offensive, mm -hmm. but you got to remember, not everybody knew what the Bible was, True. and you got to remember the Bible <clears throat> has only been around for like two thousand years. People have been around for much longer than that, mm -hmm. and other places around the world before they even knew that there was such a place as the Middle and East. You know, it's funny. Like you, you, you are like very well read, right, with everything you've done. But I've noticed for myself, ever since I became a writer, and have learned how to tell stories. When I go back, and I don't, I don't read the Bible mm -hmm. often, when I go back and read anything in the Bible, mm -hmm. like if I'm talking to my father and he uses a, a story in the Bible of Daniel and the, what the lions and whatever the fuck, I look at those stories and I go, see, that was from another writer who was going, okay, what really happened was pretty boring. Right. I got to turn up this motherfucker with a lion in here. Right. I got to turn up this thing with, what if he slayed this big beast? Jesus, gotta, you know what Jesus I mean? is so badass, he walked on water. Now, come on. They had to turn they it had up. They to, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To make it interesting. The people believe it literally, yeah. which is the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm no disrespect to those people who Fuck believe it, certain things. I'm but I'm just saying, it. people <laughs> believe what they want to believe. Uh, for example, another thing is a folktale. This is what a folktale is. Okay. Number one. Of or originate among the common people, the folk. I use that a lot in my talk. When mm -hmm. I talk about, sometimes when I'm talking about stuff and I want to use code mm -hmm. and I want to talk 
in mixed company, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about black people, I'll say I'm talking about the folk or the skin folk. Okay. You know, that's kind of code yeah, talking. You do that a lot. Or mm-hmm. a true or fictitious story or narrative. This is a folk tale, like John Henry. John Henry. Mm-hmm. Some people think it was Paul Bunyan. Some people mm-hmm. think that was a real person, might have been, and they embellished it a lot. Okay. A fable is a fictitious story usually about animals meant to teach a moral lesson. So that would be the Br'er Rabbit. That'd be Br'er Rabbit. And of course, a myth is a traditional story serving to explain some phenomenon or custom. So there are four... What's that last one? Myth, Uh a traditional story serving to explain some phenomena Give give me an example of that. Like what? Um, The myth of... um, One of my favorite stories. The myth of... Like the Greek myths? Yeah. I was trying to think of one of my favorite ones. Oh, um, oh God. What is her name? Um, The famous one where Hades came and kidnapped her. Oh, um... And Demeter got upset, and because of that, she made snow happen. Hmm. And she was told that her daughter, Persephone, thank you, Persephone. Okay. I love that story. So, like Medusa and all those stuff. Oh, Medusa, yeah, like uh, precisely. Uh, the okay. myth of Medusa in the long hidden book where my short story may do. I'm mm-hmm. taking Medusa and I'm placing her a myth. A you made it current, though. That was cool. And then put her into mm-hmm. a black cowboy setting, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. So, there are different ways that we tell stories, and there's something innate in each and every one, especially for screenwriters for wanting to do that. Mm-hmm. Because what it really comes down to is we really understand that we only have one life to live. Like, mm-hmm. in the core of every writer, every human being, we know that this is our hero's journey. This is it. Now, depending on how religious you are and if you believe on an afterlife, if you believe on reincarnation, what have you, no one knows for sure. This is a uh-huh. given fact. No one knows for sure mm-hmm. what happens to you when you leave this planet. Okay? Let's just be real and just understand that. So because of that, stories have so much power over us. Mm-hmm. Because the reason why I have to, I'll be honest, the reason why I like stories and writing stories is because I want to be able to live many lives. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to experience many lives and not just my own. Because to me, that would be boring. You know, and it's also a way, especially when I was growing up, I come from a lower income family, but my mother really aspired for us to have nice things and to see the world. So Mm -hmm. even though we could not go everywhere, she gave me books, Mm -hmm. took me to the library. So I read everything from all over the world. Because I was just going to ask you, I was just writing Mm -hmm. out, why do you write specifically? Because the world I came from, like I said, come from lower income, coming Mm -hmm. from a single parent household, also coming from a world where black females are not valued at all. Okay. I had to find a way to find a sense of self-worth and value in myself Mm -hmm. by being able to, one, to tell my own stories the way I wanted to, but also to read other stories from other people outside of America. I was a really big reader of foreign tales as a child. You know, because what it showed me, like Hawaiian tales, oh God, I love those Polynesian Mm -hmm. mythical stories, because it let me know that other people outside of just regular white people also had stories that were But you can still relate to them. And I can still relate to them. Mm -hmm. I relate to all stories. I mean, some of my favorite stories, not to say I'm dissing white people, Mm because some of them are the most significant people in my life in terms of my reading and writing, and a lot of the stories that have huge impacts on my life. Mm -hmm. But what it did for me was it opened up the world and let me see that there are other people who look like me or come from similar backgrounds Mm -hmm like me, who have value and who also have awesome stories to tell also, you know? And also because we have to understand this. Every single one of you out there listening to this, you are on your own heroic, mythic journey. I mean, think about the fact that you are even here. I mean, even now and then I'll be driving and this will hit me. Mm -hmm. Think about all the sperm. (laughs) Millions! Do we have to? Yes, we have to. I'm going to take it there. I'm going to take it there. Think of all the millions of sperm that it took and only one of those sperm Mm -hmm. hit your mom's egg Mm. and hit you of all the things that could have gone wrong with that scenario (laughs) all the blockades that could have happened to keep you from being all of that to make you you are like one in a million billion okay Mm -hmm. for you to be who you are and for you to survive and to get here to me that's a miracle you talk about miracles in the bible to Mm -hmm. be born period is a miracle. Mm-hmm. And that to me is one of the, the first and biggest mythic heroic journeys ever. Okay. And you have to understand that as a writer that you are already a mythical person. You are already a hero True. just by being born. True. So you need to take that and move it into your storytelling mm-hmm. because you really have to understand why, why are you writing? So this is what I want you to do at home. This is your homework. I want you to take a piece of paper and I want you to write this down. Why do I write? And just write down why do you think you write? What 
What is your passion? What is it you want to do? And what I want you to do is seal that up, put it on an envelope, and just put down, in case of emergency, break open. Because <laughs> when funny. it gets rough, when you feel like, I can't keep doing this, I'm mm-hmm. just struggling, it's not fun, I want you to open that up only in case of an emergency and read and have yourself tell yourself why you are writing to keep you on that path. Hmm. Because people choose to be writers a lot of times not because they chose the writing storytelling actually shows them. It really is. Mm -hmm. Because not everybody is a good storyteller. A lot of people can study the craft itself and put stuff out. Mm -hmm. But those stories that resonate with people, I guarantee you, if you look back in their history, when I read stuff about uh, Steven Spielberg, Mm -hmm. you know, when I read about George Lucas or Martin Scorsese, they were already doing storytelling when they were kids. Like, they already knew that was their passion. Sure. That was their journey. And I know for myself, when I was in third grade, and I started making my own comic books, and we got an assignment in third grade to write a story. And I wrote a scary story about a black cat who killed a bunch of people. And <laughs> You would. I, and my teacher loved it mm-hmm. and said, I think you have a voice here. I was only in third grade. Mm-hmm. And then I started making my own little comic books and making my own st- And I already knew I was going to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how. I just knew I had to tell a story because mm-hmm. I wanted to see people who look like me and to have stories that I think are cool that come from people who look like me. So I can, I can relate there. to that because I I don't remember my childhood that much for some reason, but I remember high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those guys, and I'm, I'm afraid to admit it, but I only went to my last three, three classes. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to any of my classes. How the hell did you get to Because I would hang out at school on my scooter with all my mod friends and be cool. <laughs> and we would drive off and leave and come back later See, on. See, you were cooler because I would ditch oh, yeah. school, but I would go to the library. So it wasn't like my... <laughs> God, even then, but I was like... we still were outsiders because we were like punk rock. I know, you know bad I mean? girl. Well, I was like, what was I into then? I was into really into Boy George mm-hmm. and the mod look. Oh, yeah. And with the bandanas and the, the turbans and yeah. just, you know, the I was mm-hmm. into all that. But when I would ditch, I would just ditch and go to the library. And That's because right. I was such a good student and the Back people school, knew me, too, right? I would be ditching like three or four classes in a day and they uh-huh. wouldn't say anything. Because I've been alive and they think I was studying. Mm-hmm. And really, what I was doing, mm-hmm. I was writing, I'm dating myself. I was writing scripts for <laughs> different strokes. <That's> funny. <laughs> I was writing stuff, That's you know, funny. and they were looking at me like, oh, she's being so studious and she's doing this. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm, but, but Trent, I was bored. So the only class I would go to was my English class, my drama class, and my dance class was my last Oh, class. I wonder why. Ain't that a bitch? Okay. And and I would only go to my English class when we had to do a report. We had to do a story about something. See? And I had no idea back See? then. But growing up in the hood, even though I was more into my whole 60s mod and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. growing up in the hood, everybody was rapping. So I had started writing spoken word, but I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was. Right. You know? And I would just do them, and I would always tell these cool stories and use all these metaphors and cool adjectives. I didn't even know I was doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, until years later when I started right. writing scripts. Right. <clears throat> but to ask you to answer the question why I write, right. and I can only say this in one line because this, every single time I see a movie, read a script, hear a song or anything, mm-hmm. and I feel moved by it, right. I'm like, that's why I write. That's why I'm telling that you. That moment right you there. You know it. You it might have been a horrible movie. Once they got to that moment, right, they went, that's it. Right. That's why I want when people to read my shit, mm-hmm. see my shit, feel. I want them to feel it right, right. There. Because that's the moment you remember. And it's going to resonate with other people. A lot of times people write books and they write it out there. And the people that the book was really meant for, sometimes those people don't come until years later. Mm-hmm. And you'll read things and you'll see things and you'll <laughs> feel like, oh my God, this is why I want to be a writer. So mm-hmm. you got to understand that storytellers, you guys are the most powerful people on the Definitely. planet. Please understand that. You have the power to do good, but you also have the power to do evil. (laughs) I mean, think about it. John F. Kennedy spoke to Americans and told us we was going to the moon, goddammit. And guess what? (laughs) We rose up and went to the moon. Hitler said, we're going to kill a bunch of people, and we're going to do all this stuff. And guess what? People listened to his words and his stories and propaganda to the opposite effect. So Mm -hmm. you need to understand, you got to use, something like Star Wars and and, and, uh, Star (laughs) Trek. You must use the force (laughs) for good, young Jedis out there, Mm -hmm. not for evil. So that's the main thing is to try to get across to you guys is that storytellers are your most powerful people. You need to really sit and think about why you write because it is encoded in us to do this. Mm -hmm. And it is a calling. People talk about being called to serve the Lord or Mm -hmm. I was called to sing or I was called to do something. 
I guarantee you, if I was to look back at every single person who wants to be a screenwriter or a television writer or a book writer, mm -hmm. something in their childhood, they were already telling stories and already doing it. Yep. They were already doing yep. it. So ask yourself, why you do it? Ask yourself. Why ask, is that? Ask yourself. <laughs> so on that note, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Did you see Lisa just went in on y'all right there? So well, y'all, you know, lots just, of game. We just talk about why we do the things we do. <laughs> lots of game, y'all. Lots of game. So Lisa, Lisa, where can they find you at? Where you at? I am at Twitter. Don't follow me. <laughs> Are you on Facebook? You on LinkedIn? I know I'm on Facebook, on Instagram? but my Facebook is private because it's just family and close uh -huh. friend. Like honestly, Facebook is just to let people know I'm still alive. Okay. And that when I'm traveling somewhere, I made mm. it. That's all it is. Twitter. <laughs> I made it. Twitter. <laughs> I made it. I lied. Twitter is my, Twitter is my road dog. <laughs> that's your cousin. That's my it? cousin. So if you want to follow me, come along. I'm, I, I, I tweet a But they can get more of this shit like, right? Did yeah, you talk about that? I mean, right all now, kinds right? of stuff. All kinds of fantastic yeah. stuff. But I'm just letting you know that, you know, it's not always cherries and ice cream <laughs> and sometimes... Sometimes I'm black on purpose, and sometimes I can be a little strong for people. Okay. Because that's that's where I come from. That's and real. And I'm going to give it you to you. You give them a warning. Hey, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. But what somebody you go, What you going to do with it? Look, for all you, for all you <laughs> Caucasian writers who are writing black characters, you might want to tune in to hear some real shit from her, though. I'm just going to keep it real. Mm -hmm. There and might be some real shit there you could use for your story. And just let you know, Look. you know, hey, sometimes you, you need to have some black people screen your stuff because not every, <laughs> we're not, trust me, we are not a monolith. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, as you hear, you guys listen to the Screenwriters Rant Room. That was a cool last little episode we just did about why we write. You know, why do you write? That's a really good thing to think about. Um, I am Hilliard Guest, and I'm on Twitter. And uh, shut up. <laughs> he loves adding that. Why do we always do the British? I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't just, know. it's just it's, made for that. It's like locked in my it's, head it's now. It's not like we say about Facebook. Facebook, it's like Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm on Twitter. And um, you guys hit me up at Hilliard Guess on Twitter. And also, uh, if you want to listen to the show, e uh, uh, I'm talking about email and text. This ain't going to be... <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up at uh, at screenwriters rr because screenwriters rant room is too long. So screenwriters rr. If you guys would like to email us and have any questions for Lisa or I, you can hit us at screenwriters rant room at gmail dot com. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep it street. Keep it opinionated, and keep it what one hundred. Peace, y'all. Ciao, ciao. Everyone got one, what's your opinion? This is the rant room, tongues won't be bitten Ain't no rules, just spill it And anybody can get it, no limit We get to kill it, you tuning into the thrillers And no, ain't no stopping Any topic, even the random I hope that you ready, we entering in the zone soon We on a grown shit, welcome to the rant room